You guys, welcome to episode 101 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known and more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. It's me, Leighton Meester. How's it going? It's really, really good to hear from you. Um, we're back. We took off a week. We are back. The mailbag episode was a success. Thank you to everybody so much who sent in emails and voice notes. It was amazing. And I'm still getting like really funny emails that I may just, I don't know, read or post on the Instagram or something because they're super funny. And the suggestions that you guys have for episodes are just, I mean, they are saving me, to be honest with you, because I've hit like a weird creative, uh, I don't know, like a wall where I'm like, I, this happens to me every week, though, where I'm like, there's nobody left to talk about. Like, I'm always in fear that I'm going to run out of couples to talk about. And I know that that sounds so stupid because it's literally impossible. But it feels every week like it's going to happen. And then, you know, like that, you know, something happens. But this week, I'm giving all the glory and praise to not only God, because um, this is a Christian podcast, but to you. This is a couple that you guys suggested, many of you suggested last week um, during the mailbag, and uh, I've thought about it before, but for some reason it just like didn't, it didn't happen or didn't click or register, and I'm not going to lie to you, I did struggle a little bit with the, the notes, and then it just fell into my lap, like it just happens, and it always happens that way. Whenever I have an episode where like the couple I'm like struggling with, and I'm like I can't find anything, and nobody's gonna think this is interesting, and blah blah blah, it just sort of starts writing itself. Then I'm like, oh, so like this is the story, like this is the thing. Um, we're talking about Vanessa Hudgens and Zac Efron today, and I'm actually very excited. Um, I'm going to tell you right now that I'm super, super excited to talk mostly about Zac Efron. I have a lot to say about him, and we'll get to it here in a minute. I've just got some really interesting theories about his career and him as an actor and just all the things that I want to run by you guys. And um, Vanessa Hudgens is somebody who... Vanessa Hudgens, no, the, the notes that I have about her pre-high um, school musical and pre-meeting Zach are very slim because there's like not really a lot there. She was literally a child when she did high school musical. But the stuff that I have about her after and during high school musical, you remember the nude photos? Yes. Yes, bitch. Yeah. We're doing all the things today. So I have very sparse Vanessa Hudgens notes pre-fame. But they get real good later on. And then Zach's, I mean, everything about Zach's life to me has just been interesting and fascinating. And I'm really, really, really fascinated by him. Um, I'm just excited. I'm all jazzed up. And uh, yeah, I guess we can get into it. I don't really have much else to say. I do want to say, I, I do want it to say, it's going to be one of those episodes. I'm just letting you know. I did want to run by you that I'm tinkering with the idea of instead of taking a week off, just doing um, just like sort of a short, fun, fictional couple uh, in between the real episodes each week. And I'm not I'm going to be completely transparent with you because I've never lied to you. Uh, I'm nervous about it because it's like very new and I'm so sort of uh, I'm very like I'm like an old man in the sense that I'm very stuck in my routine. Like I I know what I do now and I feel like comfortable with what I've been doing so it's gonna be interesting and fun and like it's I'm nervous in like a good way to throw something new and exciting into this because we've been doing the same thing for two years so we need to try new things we need to expand and take our training wheels off um so next week um I'm thinking that will be the first time that I introduce uh one of uh the you tell I'm saying a lot because I'm like even nervous saying it out loud but one of the fictional couples I'm gonna do it and you guys, if you want to do that with me, like, that is something that I want to do with other people for sure. I just want it to be fun and light and, like, not so serious and dark. Like, talking about Carrie and Big shouldn't be, like, so serious, you know? I want it to be fun. So, seriously, reach out to me. Message me. Text me. Tweet me. Fucking MySpace me. Whatever you feel like you need to do. I want to talk I want you guys, to, I want to do that with other people a lot. I want to like, you know, whatever. We'll just, let's, we'll talk and it'll be fine. 
So Vanessa Hudgens and Zac Efron started dating in fall of 2005. Um, they had officially broken up sometime in 2011. The dates for Vanessa and Zac are a little bit off because they were so secretive and hush-hush about their relationship. So nobody really definitively knows when they started dating and when they actually broke up. But, like, there's a ballpark. And their little teenage love affair uh, obviously started on the set of High School Musical. They... Um, dated for the duration of the films and you know every five to ten years disney pumps out like a medium to large size group of these young uh starlets who can sing and dance and kiss a smoochie and do all the things and um you know they do it so that the current generation that will attach themselves to them will grow up with them and continue spending money for the next five to six years until said Disney stars grow out of being Disney stars and want to, you know, be sexual on film and fucking release albums about sex. And, you know, it's a tale as old as time. Like, it's a tale as old as time. And Disney sets these kids up for it and they'll continue doing it. And in my opinion, Vanessa and Zach represent one of Disney's most successful attempts at this way of marketing to children. Um, and also I talk a lot on this podcast about it girls and the way Hollywood, um, sort of categorizes female talent and female starlets, but I rarely talk about it boys. We definitely have in the past. What is the thing is Brad Pitt, but not as often. And Zac Efron, in my opinion, is one of the most clear cut it boys Hollywood has ever produced. And I'm really, really excited to get into that specifically. Um, speaking of Brad Pitt, I think that Vanessa also faced a lot of the same troubles as a young Gwyneth Paltrow doing her best to privately gallivant through Manhattan with People Magazine's hottest hunk uh, and failing miserably. You know what I mean? I think that she went through a lot of the same the same woes as uh, as a young Gwyneth Paltrow, and we will get into that as well. So Vanessa is an Orange County girl, um, and I, by the way, can't read or hear that. I just read it so many times from, like, doing research without hearing Gwen Stefani's voice in my head. Like, I've had Orange County girl in my head all day because of it. Um, and she's just a really typical sort of music theater kid. She attended Orange County High School of the Arts, and she appeared in all of the local productions, uh, The King and I, Cinderella, The Music Man, etc., very Katie Holmes tease, right, girls? You know what I mean? Remember when Katie Holmes refused to audition for Dawson's Creek because she had a high school production of, um, like, Lady Sings the Blues or something? I don't know. And she was upset because she <laughs> because she was wearing a boa that night. And she was like, nah, bitch, no WB frog. I'm wearing my boa. I don't, I don't give a fuck about auditioning or sweeps week or whatever. I've got a boa to, to cascade upon my neck. Um, Vanessa made her acting debut on the CBS sitcom Still Standing. And she landed, you know, several TV commercials. And it really wouldn't be the beginning of a successful actor's career without a few cop dramas. So in 2002, she starred in uh, Robbery Homicide Division, whatever the fuck, Special Victims Unit Hawaii Five-0. David Caruso, glasses, iced tea. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think her most important role up to that point was in the movie 13, starring Evan Rachel Wood. Uh, she, she played Noelle. She was uh, Evan Rachel Wood's like pre-bad like bad girl friend. She, she was like, uh, she was tiny. It was her one of her first movies. She was adorable. And it didn't like, put her on the map or like make her a star or anything obviously but it didn't hurt to have 13 this like critically acclaimed um can film under her belt on her imdb speaking of if i'm being 100 honest with you which i always am vanessa's imdb page is very sad and it's very dark and it made me very upset it's really sad when you can scroll down someone's entire filmography in one simple role of the mouse and you know especially for a person who's been acting for over a decade and is considered to be very famous um there's not a lot happening there at all 
aside from like guest appearances on the sweet life of Zach and Cody and like a couple of Reese's Puffs commercials. After 13, she starred in a film called Thunderbirds that was a total flop. And I'm basically trying to warn you that this could turn into an episode where I believe Vanessa Hudgens. It's not my intention. It's not my goal. Um, but it could possibly turn into that because I just don't really respect her career. I'm confused by it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, um, we'll see. I mean, yeah, I'm probably going to end up bullying Vanessa Hudgens and I'll look back and cringe at how mean I was. But I just I don't understand. it. I don't get how I have more acting credits than you, girl. You're Vanessa Hudgens. Where are the credits? Now, Zach, on the other hand, was raised in California as well. His father was an electrical engineer. And like Vanessa, his mom also worked as a secretary at his dad's power station. And Zach had a very normal middle class upbringing. They weren't very religious, whereas Vanessa grew up in a very Catholic household. Um, He describes himself during his childhood as being a type A class clown. He was very performative um, he was a cut-up, as Kim Zolciak would say. Um, <laughs> he bought me a ring to shut me up, just so you could keep sleeping around and cutting up. Um, and he also had these very, like, tiger mom expectations for himself when it came to grades. In a 2007 Rolling Stone that I'm warning you right now, I'm going to quote a lot. This Rolling Stone is... Uh, is I have a lot of theories and thoughts, and I just think it's very prominent in Zach's career. Um, He said, I was raised agnostic, so we never really practiced religion, but my parents were very strict. Efron says, after school, there would always be a parent at home waiting for me. And after I did all my homework, we would eat dinner, and then I could play video games, and that was pretty much my life. His parents exercised their control by grounding him for relatively minor infractions. In fifth grade, he was grounded for a week for cutting his own hair and then lying about it. And throughout his childhood, he would be grounded for rough playing and rough wrestling with his younger brother, Dylan. And Zach, you know, especially in these sort of early stages of his career, is described by a lot of publications as, you know, unchanged and very humble and just like very normal. Um, He's one of those kids that you can just tell was raised really well and wasn't really affected by fame. In the same way as a person who maybe didn't have such a strong foundation, like Cough Cough Lindsay Lohan. Do you know what I'm trying to say? He wasn't like a Brad Renfro. This wasn't a kid who, like, got sucked up into, like, the darkness of Hollywood. Like, he had a really strong foundation. And people in his family who were, like, obsessively uh, watching over him to make sure nothing bad happened. He describes a moment when he was a teenager where he was riding in the car with his parents and the song Jumper by Third Eye Blind came on the radio. And uh, after hearing him sing, his parents literally stopped their car and turned around to him and they were had these like shocked looks on their faces and asked him if he would like to pursue a career in music in some sort of professional way, to which he responded, no, that's stupid. Um, he said they did their <laughs> they did their parental looks back and forth And who knows what they talked about in the front seat while I couldn't hear. And his dad said, when Zach was a toddler, after watching The Wizard of Oz, we would find him emulating the Tin Man dance. And over time, we noticed that he had this uncanny ability to listen to a song on the radio, memorize the lyrics, and sing it back a cappella with the correct tone, pitch, and uh, inflection. Inflection? Inflection. Uh, The following summer, Zach confessed to his parents that he no longer wanted to do uh, baseball. And uh, since he was required to do a summer activity, his dad suggested that he do piano lessons. It was really important to his parents that anything he pursued, he did it like from the ground up. So like if he was going to do music, they wanted him to learn how to read music and be classically trained. Uh, So they enrolled him in um, piano lessons and acting classes with a teacher named Jeremy Mann, who also worked uh, for a company that was currently casting Gypsy. Uh, Jeremy self-admittedly begged Zach to audition because he found him to be so talented. He said, the first time I met him, uh, recalls Mann, I, or who later directed Efron in the musical Peter Pan, I said to myself, this kid is going to grow up to be the next Brad Pitt. 
He's probably the most charismatic kid I've ever met. He ended up playing one of the newsboys in like 70 performances of Gypsy. And from that day forward, he never wanted to play sports again, which is really the dream for all. I can speak for all of us guys. Um, it's the dream for our, our boys to come home and say, I never want to play sports again. I hate foosball and I want to be on stage wearing tights and singing in a head voice. It's really every man's dream for their, their child. And like, I, I can only hope that when I have kids that that will happen. Um, Zach said, it wasn't that it was so much fun to be on stage, he says. It was that there were five other kids in the show, and we would just goof off backstage for five hours um, when there wasn't a show. It was so much, he said, it was such a fun environment. Uh, there were also the benefits of escaping his parents' strict supervision. We had some really cute girls that played Gypsy and Baby June, and I was going into, like, seventh grade or whatever, and girls were a new and interesting thing to me. So when you're backstage with them 24-7, things happen. So... In other words, Zach was like getting hand jobs backstage on this, like at, during the production of Gypsy, uh, and he was living. He was living his best life up to that point. Uh, he performed in Peter Pan, uh, The Boy Who Wouldn't Grow Up, and Little Shop of Horrors, and all the other uh, theater productions that I feel like child stars really sink their teeth into when they're kids in high school. Um, he became known in his town as the theater kid. And little known fact about Zac Efron, during this period of his life when he was uh, in high school, he was in an improv group that him and his friends came up with called That One Team. And they formed, uh, they basically formed specifically to take part in this, this thing called Destination Imagination, which was a competition for like drama and science nerds. Uh, that involved like problem solving on stage using teamwork and theater and like chemistry formulas. Um, and it's just funny because he like did really well, like beat out all of these other kids all over the country, all over the world. Um, they like had this like nationwide title. It was a major, major deal, but like nobody cared because what the fuck is destination imagination? So he came home with this like massive trophy thinking that like he would have a day named after him, uh, at his town and like nobody cared. Um, it was around this, this time that his mom started driving him from state to state and city to city, <laughs> city on auditions. And they faced so much rejection that collectively the family was like, if you don't book anything, then we are just going to not do this anymore. And of course, at this exact same time that they came up with that decision, he booked a role on ER, which I also believe is another actor's rite of passage to do like a, a medical drama you know what I mean? Every actor has a, a moment of their in their career where they're like running down a hallway in a hospital or they're like on a gurney and somebody's talking about 50 cc's of whatever. You know what I mean? Pumping somebody's chest. Um he played an inner city kid with a heart of gold who got caught in gang uh gun crossfire shootings. Hope Hoop, uh, while he was shooting hoopies um, with his friends in the b-ball court in the inner city. Um, and that unsurprisingly led to roles on CSI Miami because, duh, what doesn't? And some made-for-TV movies because no doy. And he was oftentimes cast as this, like, troubled tween with a dark secret or some kid who had gotten himself wrapped up with the wrong people and got a hold to the wrong stuff. Just, like, very cliche young man roles, you know? Um, and at that point, he was recommended by his drama teacher, uh, Robin Met. He was recommended by his drama teacher to a woman named Robin Mechik, who was an agent, and she was the mother of 90s child star Aaron Michael Mechik. Um, and he was signed to an agency and started auditioning immediately. Now, we have to talk a little bit about High School Musical. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, High School Musical isn't a blind spot for me. Obviously, I know what it is and I've seen it. Uh, I, I did babysit. Um, but High School Musical is a generation under me. So this movie came out in 2006. I graduated high school in 2006. So this is like the kids that were in middle school as I was graduating high school. This was like their gig. So I didn't like I wasn't immersed in High School Musical the way that I was like a Mickey Mouse Club, if that makes sense. 
Um, so in its first adaption, High School Musical was actually written in 1999 as a sequel to the movie Grease. And, well, as the third to Grease, which is hilarious because High School Musical is, like, it's literally just Grease. Um, and this is the funny thing. You guys are going to die if you don't already know this. So the music or the movie was supposed to follow Danny and Sandy's kids in high school. And um, the original film was supposed to star Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake as Danny and Sandy's children. Or, well, you know what I mean? I guess one of them would have been Sandy's Danny and Sandy's kid. And then the other would have been like. The t- Justin would have been like the T-Bird. I don't know. It's wild. Um, but 600 people auditioned for High School Musical and they uh, were required to act and sing and dance. And the boys were all, you know, immediately sent to this basketball camp um, for the entire day. Vanessa and Zach obviously met during the rehearsal. And the director of the film noticed pretty immediately that they had this really intense chemistry. Um, he said that by the way, in the making of High School Musical documentary that I watched for you. Yeah. And it was about two hours long. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, he said that, you know, the the whole group noticed that Vanessa and Zach had this really intense chemistry that actually, like, kind of made people uncomfortable, made people feel like they needed to leave the room, like they were seeing something they shouldn't be seeing. They just really, really were, like, into each other, and they had never met. Um, lots of longing looks into each other's eyes and... You know, this was a, a very Christian um, Christian movie, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But, uh, yeah, they kept getting paired together because they were so good. It was, like, very obvious to everybody that they were obviously going to be chosen as the leads. Um, and once the cast was chosen, they were flown to Salt Lake City to film the movie and were thrown into these really super hardcore dance rehearsals. Zach was also enrolled in a basketball camp and... This all took place while school was in session. So they were just like filming Disney's next like super franchise while these kids were like going to class and like I'm I'm sure like throwing shit at them and being really mean. Um and they make it seem like it's all cute and fun and that they just had this like really super fun work environment, like so fun on the set of high school musical in Salt Lake City. But like I, I would really I'd like to get the child labor laws pulled up and I'd like to go through them and really, really hunker down on like what was happening because they, it looked miserable. They were in rehearsals for nine hours a day. And then after rehearsals, the boys were sent to a basketball camp. Like what? (laughs) I don't think that's legal, but they made it seem very cute in the documentary that I watched about high school musical. Um, 7.7 million people tuned into the first broadcast of High School Musical, which was a record for Disney at that point. And Disney, of course, aired all these encore presentations and kept claiming that it was the last time you'd be able to see it. And uh, the movie, you know, the goal basically was to keep airing it so that it would entice these kids to go out and buy the soundtrack. The more you hear the music, the more you'll want to own it. And then hopefully when the CD comes out, you'll you know, tug at your parents' shirts enough that they take you to Walmart or Target or FYE or whatever to buy the album. Sorry, I had to stop recording to put a cough drop in. One of my sweet, sweet candies. Today's flavor is Walgreens brand Strawberry. Eat it up, girls. Um, so the High School Musical soundtrack debuted at number 143 on the Billboard 200. And it rose up the chart for 13 consecutive weeks, making it the highest selling album of the year, which is wild. Like, this was a TV movie. And this was the first time a made-for-TV soundtrack ever ended up on the Billboard chart at number one. A made-for-TV teen film was number one on the Billboard chart. It literally won the 2006 Billboard Music Award for Soundtrack Album of the Year, and Zac Efron didn't even actually sing in this fucking movie. His voice was too deep because his balls had just dropped, and the director was like, that's not like, you don't sound like a queen. So they dubbed his voice with some guy, and Zac Efron went up on stage and accepted an award for an album that he's like not in. It's wild. And High School Musical became a stage production, um... 
a concert tour, several TV shows, a Christian book series that sold 50 million copies in 24 languages. It was an on-ice show. There were fucking breakfast cereals and hand sanitizers and sleeping bags and toilet seat covers and tissue box holders. Truly, you name it, Disney was hawking it. And the interesting thing about High School Musical is that it was a completely... It was completely unapologetic in how conservative and bubblegum it was. And you could easily say that, like, you know, every Disney movie and every Disney TV show was like that. But High School Musical was on another level. And in one of the publications that I read, uh, they talked about High School Musical not even being the type of show. It wasn't even the kind of kids show that, like, was for kids that had adult humor sprinkled in so that your parents could have something funny to laugh at. You know what I mean? It wasn't even that. High School Musical was just pure cheese. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, It was a full-on Christian cheese fest. And, you know, to the point that, like, Zac Efron and Vanessa Hudgens don't even kiss in this movie. It's literally a modern-day retelling of Romeo and Juliet, and they don't even peck each other's cheeks on screen because it's too scandalo this was a movie targeted towards like conservative evangelical bible thumping americans and it just so happened to work for everybody on ice (laughs) i'm just i mean obviously this movie propelled zach efron and vanessa hudgens into an unimaginable level of superstardom a terrifying level of, of fame But it's just really fascinating to sort of revisit how different that landscape was for Vanessa versus Zach. And we'll get very, very deep into that here in a minute. Um, I'm just very interested and fascinated by Zach Zach Efron's career. I just said that like Lindsay Lohan would when she's in Dubai. But Zach (laughs) Efron, come with me. Sorry. Um, Do you want to watch a movie? Um, okay, so Zach and Vanessa's relationship was confirmed almost immediately after the film's release. Um, a pop, sorry, fuck, I, uh, that was, I made myself laugh. Um, a pop you got a photo of them making out during a trip to Hawaii after filming ended for, uh, High School Musical 2. Uh, Zach said, my mom dropped me off, um, out of a minivan somewhere in North Hollywood. I had no idea what to expect. There were about 40 guys and we walked in and the director was the was there with a piano. They put everybody in a room together and we ran through different phases of what we should do and what we needed to do. First dancing and then singing. And a few of us got uh, tapped on the shoulder and told to leave and I didn't. And next came a scene reading uh, a scene reading section and I got paired with Vanessa Hudgens. So... When the fans found out that they were, like, actually dating, they obviously lost their fucking minds, um, and they nicknamed them Zanessa. Uh, Zach and Vanessa won the Teen Choice Award for Choice TV Chemistry. Um, so the industry is obviously, like, really working hard at, you know, pumping this relationship and trying to make as much money off of it as they could, knowing that young people are fleeting and that they wouldn't stay together for very long. Two weeks into September of 2007, Vanessa would go on to become one of the first Disney stars to be sexually exploited and told to apologize for it. And the irony that I'm taking these notes um, during the same month as Bella, Bella Thorne's ordeal, who's also a former Disney starlet, you know, the fact that she's dealing with the same thing 10 years later is wild. Um, A man had apparently leaked her nude photos to the National Enquirer. The photos were then sent to, oh, no, they didn't, and Perez Hilton. Vanessa was hit really, really hard for these pictures. She was punished. She was a Salem witch. I'm not kidding. It was really, really bad. I would say even more so than someone like a Cassie, who we spoke about a couple months ago, because there was so much riding on Vanessa being this squeaky clean version of, you know, herself. And uh, I mean, this was the peak of High School Musical's success. So it made it even worse. Um, And on top of it, like 
Disney is already really conservative, but she was a part of the most conservative of all of the franchises they had ever done. Like, High School Musical was, without any question, the most uptight and sort of buttoned up. So, you know, these kids were painted into, a like, a very particularly impossible corner, even worse than a lot of other Disney stars. In the Associated Press, um, the week that it happened, they said, Brainy Gabriella of High School Musical would no doubt blush at the idea of nude photos of, the, of a young... Of a, uh, photos of young actress Vanessa Hudgens circulating on the internet. The problem for Walt Disney Company is that Hudgens plays Gabriella. The Disney Channel, part of the Walt Disney Company, denied a published report that Hudgens will be dropped from the upcoming film uh, High School Musical 3. The movie is in development, and negotiations negotiations with the stars are incomplete. Uh, The best thing for Disney to do is nothing, said Michael Levine, a Hollywood image consultant and author of 18 books. (laughs) An author of 18 books. I love that description for, like, who you are. I've written 18 books. Um... He said what they should do is make a is stop making it a bigger deal than it already is. The pictures are really not that salacious. Vanessa's publicist released a statement saying, This was a photo that was taken privately. It is a personal matter, and it is unfortunate that it has, that has become so public. And Vice did an article in 2017 revisiting how we treated Vanessa during this time and how um, sort of terrible we were to her. And they said, compounded by media, the cultural expectation of Hudgens to be perfect like Gabriella, a fictional character in a universe where teens broke out into song and dance, was shattered by the leak. At the time, the Urban Dictionary user, it, one Urban Dictionary user updated the definition of Vanessa Hudgens to, before her incident, Vanessa Hudgens was, a very, was every girl's role model. She stars in Disney Channel's hit movie, High School Musical. Recently, nude photos of her were leaked on the internet. Unfortunately, girls now think of her as a skank who doesn't shave. Uh, please search up, please search up shave if you have any questions. This remains the most popular definition of Vanessa Hudgens on the site to this day. And, you know, it's ironic how often we've discussed nude photo leaks on this podcast, and it's very, they're all very similar in how they've been handled. You know, from like the 90s with Brad and Gwyneth to more recently with girls like Bella Thorne. Um, You know, we've also talked at nauseam about how sexist the media has always been when it comes to stuff like this. Um, But more specifically around this time period, like this was, you know, 2007. And there's a quote in the Vice article that I uh, I just mentioned where they said, Much of this slut-shaming rhetoric came from people who viewed nude photos as Hudgens' mistake and not a crime committed by a hacker. Instead of calling the pictures revenge porn, the Daily News described them as saucy snapshots. The idea that it might be wrong to publish a woman's personal property without her consent was extremely foreign, uh, was an extremely foreign concept to mainstream media outlets at this time. And it's true. It's like, I mean, I've, I've beaten this to death. Like the way that we handle things like this and the way that we like, it's like, we had this idea in our minds that every woman was just like this wild whore waiting to be punished. And then when they did something that felt like we had the opportunity not to punish them, we just fucking went for it. We wanted them skinned. We wanted them hung. We wanted, we wanted a full Salem witch trial because this girl at 18 had some guy leak photos of her on the internet. It's insane. Um, she was forced by Disney uh, to release a public apology for ever having taken the photos. And she said, I want to apologize to my fans who support and trust, whose support and trust means the world to me. I am embarrassed over the situation and regret having ever taken these photos. I'm thankful for the support of my family and friends. And she never actually mentions the involvement of the hacker. Uh, she takes full blame and a lot of people actually thought she leaked the photos her, uh, herself because we were very much in that frame of mind. You know, the fact that Paris Hilton had taken over the world because of a sex tape was still such an unimaginable concept to us, but we were, like, living in it. Um, It's sort of like, I feel like what we'll think in 10 years, like, we're living in Trump-era presidency, and... It's currently unimaginable. We're living in an unimaginable time. Like, if you described this current political landscape 
to any of us 10 years ago, we would laugh. That the idea would just be so absurd. You know what I mean? And now we're living in it. And we're we're living in a time that we can't believe we're living in. Um, and, and the same Rolling Stone that I've, I've told you that I'm going to mention the entire time, Zach said, this is such a 19-year-old, like, young hunks response to something like this happening who, like, just wants to fuck. He said, you know, the really weird thing that no one expected about Vanessa is that underneath uh, such a sweet girl, this Gabriella-type character, is a very, very sexy woman. <laughs> like, okay, Zach, cool. He said, I don't think anyone was prepared for that. He pauses and then adds awkwardly as if he said too much. Um, so that's just a humorous thing. Um, <laughs> he said, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just like... What do you think about your girlfriend's nude photos being leaked to the public and her being exploited? Well, well I don't think everybody thought that she was such a sexy gal, but uh, she's sexy. Um, Efron turns red when asked if the silver band on his hand is a commitment ring to Vanessa. He said, I'm not going to say who it's from. He says, that's just a ring from a friend that I got. Commitment is way too weird of a word for me right now. I'm wearing it for a friend. It is a female friend, but I can't say who because... Uh, it would be chat room pandemonium and teenage magazine hysteria. So yeah. Um, it's also worth pointing out that Vanessa and Zach were, you know, a very heavily photographed couple. They were extremely public. The Disney corporation was making bank off of these kids being invited to places and being forced to go to places. Um, I mean, literally every sporting event, every award show, every premiere, etc. They went to the fucking Golden Globes together. The stars of High School Musical 3 went to the Golden Globes together and sat next to Meryl Streep. Like, you know what I mean? It's absurd. Um, I also think it's worth mentioning how interesting... Zac Efron's film choices have been since he starred in High School Musical. Uh, you know, since we're here, we may as well talk, just us gals. Um, you know, the cast went on to star in, like, two more of these movies or whatever. And he chose to play uh, Link Larkin in Hairspray. And those things are all interesting and, you know, a little. it's all more of the same. But he also turned down a role in Footloose out of fear of being typecasted. And, like, personally, I took notice, this is, like, my Zac, Efr Zac Efron story. I took notice of Zac Efron after, and don't you fucking laugh at me, I will not be mocked, um, but I watched Seventeen again and thought, huh, with Matthew Perry. And it's not to say that the movie was, like, some fucking cinematic masterpiece, but Zac Efron's acting is so good in that movie that it makes you feel like... His talent has been wasted at this point. It's like, wow, this kid is actually a really good actor. Um, and the thing I guess I've always found really fascinating about Zach is that unlike a Brad Pitt or a Tom Cruise, you know, men who at their peak were painted into a very similar box of being, you know, these like walking sexual objects. And they were then forced to have to kind of like break out of that Um you know, just by simply picking interesting roles and, you know, proving themselves as actors and stepping out of their comfort zone, um, making themselves ugly, uh, you know, playing vampires and hillbillies and ghosts and just all kinds of shit. But when Zach has tried to follow a similar formula, it's always sort of blown up in his face or bombed. Um, he's still the guy that Seth Rogen calls when he needs like a hot male lead to play like a douchebag frat guy that requires a bunch of close-ups of his bulge in tiny shorts. You know, I mean, he, he will always be that guy. He went from being this like squeaky clean milk drinking teenage boy to then being like a sex symbol with like a little tiny smidgen of that Disney good boy shit. still lingering. And then that was followed by like a hot, you know, sex on legs, frat boy era for him, where he dabbled in these films that had darker themes. He was in the JFK film uh, Parkland that only brought in $1.3 million and had a $10 million budget. He was in Paperboy, 
which like so many people have not heard of Paperboy. I don't understand how. Uh, but it's, I mean, I describe it as the movie where Zac Efron walks around in wet, uh, wet Hanes briefs the entire time. And Nicole Kidman has one of the most uncomfortable masturbating scenes I've ever seen in film. Um, that movie took in $3 million and the budget was 20. Uh, and then the film at any price literally took in, and this is not a sarcastic number, uh, $487,000 in ticket sales in total. And you can't really fault the guy for knowing when to throw in the towel and, you know, or in this case, the wife beater. You know what I mean? He threw the wife beater in and said, okay, you guys want to see me fucking oil up and be buff and super tan and mostly naked. You know what I mean? I'll do it. And like, it actually makes me really sad because I think that Zac Efron is a really good actor. But as much as he's tried, he's, you know, he's just not been able to really escape his own cliches. He's a literal prisoner of his looks. The way that Brad Pitt described being a prisoner of his face. I think it was like a publicist or something that said that Brad Pitt was a prisoner of his face. Zac Efron is that, but he's never been able to escape, whereas Brad Pitt was able to break free of it. And I did read in an interview with Zac um, a few years ago, uh, it was an interview about his friendship with Leonardo DiCaprio, and this was something that came out like around the same time as Seventeen again, and uh, the interviewer asked him about you know advice that Leo gives him, and he talked about you know the fact that Leo had gone through such a similar process and it's like such a similar sort of moment in his career, especially like during the time of 17 again, you could kind of compare that was like Leo's Titanic era. And, you know, I definitely think that he had Leo in mind when he was choosing all these roles that he thought would win him Oscars, you know, or like change the public's perception of him, but it, it, it didn't. And, like, even with all that said, I would still argue that Zac Efron had an easier time navigating fame post-high school musical than Vanessa Hudgens. And the difference, I think, was that Zac was, you know, awarded the ability to at least try and choose. He had all these options, and even though, like, many of them weren't successful and they didn't work, he still had the chance and an opportunity to sort of, like, pick a lane, and he picked his lane, he dabbled and nothing worked, so he picked his lane as, like, hot douchebag. And, you know, I think we had a harder time, like, knowing where to place Vanessa Hudgens after the success of High School Musical. And if you don't believe me, then take a look at her fucking IMDb page. I mean, I, I have more acting credits than Vanessa Hudgens. She literally spent all of 2008, and you can check this. Like, if I'm wrong, read me for filth. She spent all of 2008 doing Neutrogena commercials, Sears commercials, and Mark Echo commercials. She literally didn't have an acting credit for all of 2008, aside from commercials. It's just wild. But somehow this girl is like very famous. It doesn't make any sense. And it, by the way, doesn't get much better in 2009. Unless you love, um, like, Reese's Puffs, it really doesn't get much better. And in October of 2008, it was reported by People Magazine that their relationship was starting to fizzle uh, due to the extreme amount of pressure they were put under from High School Musical, um, from the High School Musical community and fandom. And uh, they were then photographed on a beach in Miami, and it was reported that uh, they were there to secretly get married people were saying that they saw vanessa wearing an engagement ring you know how people talk and then it was later confirmed that they were actually there for uh zach's manager's wedding and it was reported in february of 2009 that zach had proposed to vanessa while on a trip to japan um, a source told digital spy Zach is relieved to be out of the pressure cooker because Vanessa's mother has been putting serious heat on him to make an honest woman out of her daughter. She's an old, she's old school and doesn't approve of Vanessa living with Zach without some type of wedding promise. Gina already considers Zach a part of the family, so she's happy that he proposed. The source added that the couple gel really well together. Um, it was also reported that Zach 
has uh, had purchased a one million dollar home with an infinity <laughs> an infinity pool and uh, a panoramic view of LA. Um, and it was referred to by the media as he and Vanessa's love den. Um, he told the mirror, it's very modest. I don't have a bed. Um, it's on an, I'm on an air mattress. The actor said, I just moved in. I have no furniture, but I've got a decorator coming and he's kind of a friend. It's pretty cool. A lot of friends were like, dude, I wish that I had my own house. Uh, they performed together in 2008, I'm sorry, in 2009 at the Oscars with Hugh Jackman and Beyonce. I bet you blocked that out of your little memory. Leave it to me. Um, and uh, here's the, here's the tea. Vanessa had another nude photo scandal in 2009. Apparently the hacker who released her original photos sat on these. Um, and then after the scandal died down, the original photos were said to have been, uh, Actually, oh, wait, I forgot to mention this earlier. So her original photos, I guess, were taken by Zach. And that was, like, all the more enticing for these media outlets to, like, pass them around. Because it's, like, not only were these photos of Vanessa Hudgens nude, but they were taken by Zach Efron. Even more salacious. So apparently this hacker had, like, a ton... Like, he had, like, an entire photo bucket of pictures, right? And he held on to them and was going to release them in, like, increments every other year. Just to, like, make extra money every year and continue to ruin this girl's life. Um, And this went on up until, like, 2014. I'm not even kidding. Like, it happened so often that the media just stopped reporting it. People just literally... There were so many nude photos of Vanessa Hudgens on the internet. And I actually, to be honest with you, before this, I thought that there were just, like, a handful. I thought Vanessa Hudgens had, like you know, maybe five or six nude photos. There is a plethora of nude photos. It's insane. And um, I actually read uh, in an interview from her where she talked about, you know, that she has a no nudity clause in her contract. She doesn't do nudity on film. And that was like something that got leaked to the press as well. Like, oh, you know, harlot Vanessa Hudgens has a no nudity clause in her contract. Like, how dare she? And all these publications were like, well, you've already done nudity, so why don't you just do it? And she's like, are you out of your fucking mind? First of all, you're 50 asking me that question, you, you fucking plot. And secondly, my photos were stolen. I didn't choose to do nudity. And also, that wasn't a film. That wasn't a movie. That was my bedroom. Um... So Zach took her on a vacation to Hawaii to get away from the press after the photos were released. She was also um, going to go film a movie there. So they went like a month early and just like relaxed to get away from the media asking her questions about the second round of nude photos. And it was reported on that trip that they had broken up, but they were photographed kissing on the beach. So people didn't know what to make of it. People didn't know if they were together or not together. Then, while doing a promotion for Charlie St. Cloud, Zach did an interview with ABC Nightline where he said, um, this is, again, such like a 19, 20-year-old kid. He said, we've got a great thing going. It's serving me right now. We're having a lot of fun. So, it's not over, you know? I'm going to speak to... I'm going to speak to her... I'm going to speak too far down the road because I don't know what's going to happen. But right now, I'm very happy. Can we talk for a second? It's serving me right now. I want you to put yourself in Vanessa Hudgens' shoes and imagine you read an interview that your boyfriend's done about your relationship and it he literally said, it serves me right now. Like, is there anything more degrading? Um, it was announced on December 14th of 2010 that they had officially split up. Um, again, the dates that they had broken up or nobody really knows. They were still being photographed kissing each other and holding hands and a lot of PDA, but they were telling people they weren't together. I think it was a situation where like they had broken up and they were still like fucking every once in a while. You know what I mean? Um, and the really interesting thing is that it's never really been reported that either of them like cheated on each other or had like this really bad falling out. Um, but 10 years later, they don't really seem to care for each other very much. They're not friendly with each other at all. And anytime that they're ever asked about each other, especially Vanessa, the responses are like, it's shade. Like it's, it's definite, it's definite shade. 
Uh, Vanessa did an interview with Shape Magazine where she made her first ever official statement about the breakup. And she said, it was a good thing to break up. The relationship kept me grounded. And because I was with someone who knew me so well, I didn't need to try to be somebody that I wasn't. But it was just time. Um, she said long distance had long distance relationships are hard work no matter what. And when you don't have face to face time, it's just different. Having an iPhone helped, but it just wasn't the same. Um, I also mentioned that Vanessa went through a lot of the same rigmarole as Gwyneth Paltrow um, during her relationship with Brad. And in 2015, she told New York Times, I went through a phase when I was really just mean because I was so fed up. Girls were running up to him all the time and I was giving them death stares. Then I realized that's not what that's not what it's about. Spread the love and be a good person. Um, they support you. So try and be nice. Um, Vanessa also did a very... I mean, I would consider it to be iconic. It's a pretty infamous interview in 2017 uh, with Access Hollywood where the interviewer said, so do you keep up? Uh, referencing Zach. And Vanessa said, oh, wow. Yeah, no, that's not a thing that happens. And the interviewer said, do you talk much? And she said, no, I've completely lost contact with him. Stone cold, no expression, blank face, giving you nothing. Just nothing. Giving you neutral, as Alaska and Willow would say. Nooch, nothing. Beige, tacky, nothing. Um, and Zach, I mean, Zach did not attend the high school musical reunion. Uh, he didn't show up to Ashley Tisdale's wedding. But it is reported that Ashley Tisdale, the actual heart of the story, is, in fact, still friends with Zac Efron and Vanessa Hudgens. And that's the name of that tune. I mean, that the lady sang the blues or whatever. That's the name of that tune. I don't think these two care for each other. I think that they had a really bad falling out, but their relationship was always very private. And I don't know if we'll ever know. There would be no reason for either of them to, like, come forward about what happened during their relationship. I don't think we'll ever know. The only person that knows is Ashley Tisdale. And maybe one day she'll get desperate enough that she'll tell us. But until then, it's really none of my business. I don't like to pry. You guys know me. I'd like to just kind of, I don't like to pry. I don't want to get involved in people's business. Um, you guys, that was episode 101. It feels so weird to be in the hundreds of this mushroom. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, next week, as I said before, I'm going to tinker with uh, doing a episode based on a fictional couple. I haven't even decided yet who it will be, but we'll figure it out. If you want to record that with me, message me and we'll talk and we'll figure it out. I'm being dead serious. DM me. I'm having panic attack. I love you guys so much. I will see you next week. Uh, ta Thank you for listening to This Mushroom, an emotionally broken psycho's Patreon exclusive. Please make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps your boy. Also, make sure to head over to patreon.com slash evpsychos for more information on this show and other Patreon-exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McEady. That's T-R-O-Y-M-C-E-A-D-Y. You can also follow this podcast at EBP underscore Smushroom. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.